0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Are you ready for some football? Monday night football is here and one of us is really upset about it. I'm not going to lie. Like it's just ruined my whole day. Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel, 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We got a lot. We're going to get to major league baseball. will get some attention tonight. I promise. As we now know, the ALDS is the Astros and the Mariners. Also, the Guardians and the Yankees also still getting used to saying Guardians. I'm not going to lie about that. The Mm -hmm. NLDS gives us Dodgers, Padres, and of course, Phillies, Braves. Every single pitch of the Major League Baseball playoff experience is covered on ESPN Radio. For that reason, this is the only night this week that we know of. That you're going to have Spain and Fitz. Weather, games could change some of that, but Sarah, that means that we got a ton that we can get to. Unfortunately for me, at the top of that list is the Raiders are in Arrowhead Stadium tonight. Which, in our time together, in our friendship together, in our years knowing each other, means I'm going to be drunk. Like there's just no to it. Like <laughs> as soon as we finish this show, I, I got power cords falling in the state in the in the studio now. Like things are wiggling everywhere around me. Like the gods whoa, are even whoa, telling me to be just
2: specific. I,
1: well, <laughs> Uh, it depends on I how the first maybe, drive goes.
2: I thought maybe when you started with this show with, are you ready for some football? You were looking in a mirror and you were asking yourself, am I ready? Am I ready to see Patrick Mahomes dismantle my squad? Because Patrick Mahomes has done some nasty things to a lot of teams, but none of them have been done as nasty as your Raiders.
1: That is so perfectly said, Sarah, and I don't know how to feel about it. There's one key that could mean tremendous success for the Raiders, and uh, our buddy Evan that produces the show before us earlier came in and said, I think the Raiders are going to try and establish the run. Yes, I think the Raiders are going to try and establish the run. And, in fact... I think last week the Raiders sort of gave you the blueprint to how they intend to play most of the rest of the season. Run balance uh, along with passing the football creates a better situation for the wideouts. If you can run against Kansas City, then you're going to be able to keep Mahomes off the field. The problem is, if I know that, if Evan knows that, if you know that, and if Devin knows that, then I'm going to guess the Chiefs coach has probably sat down in the room this week and said, hey, guys, maybe we don't let Josh Jacobs have a career day against us. And unfortunately, without that, I think this, this gets ugly.
2: Wow, and you didn't even mention the fact that that's a great offensive strategy for a team that wants to keep possession of the ball and do their darndest to keep it out of Mahomes' hands, but it doesn't take much for Mahomes to pick a defense apart and move down the field. He won't need that much time, and the way the Raiders' defense has fared against him in the past, and this looks again this year, it doesn't matter how much they try to run it. They're not going to be able to, once the Chiefs take a uh, multi-digit, Lead and they have to start passing their way out of it. It's it's not going to work.
1: This is where uh, several Raiders fans will come in and say, "Yeah, but it's a new defensive coordinator and he had success mm. against the Chiefs in the past." Mm. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, there, With there's this, this roster, uh, of yeah. players. I mean, that's the the hard part about it is the concept of how you stop the Chiefs relies partially on at least I'm going to have somebody that can uh, that will spy Patrick Mahomes and then I'm going to have somebody that will cover Travis Kelsey. So you basically need a safety-slash-linebacker-slash-Superman that happens mm. to be in an NFL jersey that's capable, two of them, because one of them is going to be responsible for Kelsey, the other for Mahomes. Like, I just think that's oversimplification of a really difficult thing to execute.
2: Fitz, I want to move on, but I want to just have your reaction to one more statistic, which is that the Chiefs have allowed the fewest rushing yards this season. Mm. Well, I mean, so you're telling me there's no so strategy that you...
1: Okay. Here's the here's the glory of it, Sarah. the The Broncos had a really good defense. The Raiders chart absolutely just threw it to him last week, and the Broncos had better receivers than the Chiefs. And the Raiders defense handled it fine. Never mind.
2: Listen, if you're Vegas looking for your team to throw it to another team's defense, I think you're in luck tonight. Oh, this is just a bad a, choice of language, friend. Uh,
1: Raiders one and three taking on the three and one Chiefs at eight uh-huh. fifteen p.m eastern the
2: screams will begin shortly yeah. thereafter yeah,
1: sure yeah there's there's a bar Look out fcc At jd on queen street Only I'm one of forward. us wants to get yeah. fired
2: tonight and it ain't me <laughs>
1: Yeah, do I get a warning? Can somebody in radio let me know if there's a warning for the first time? Your I life
2: ask? depends on on the men behind the glass. Yeah, that, there's I have my those men on the dump button behind the glass. Roll. If they aren't listening and they fail to hit the dump button, it's on you and them. So for that,
1: anyone that's never listened to radio before, doesn't know there's a little button <laughs> that they can press when a naughty word is said that yeah. will that will dump the audio. I don't know what 12 year old kid named it the dump button because every time you say that I laugh. <laughs> but uh, speaking of getting dumped, uh, the, um, the the yeah. thank you uh you're welcome <laughs> the panthers dumped matt rule today uh mm-hmm. in one of the least surprising moves i think we've seen in a minute, Sarah. And actually I'm going to argue that the timing of it makes it a win-win because if you're Matt Rule, there's a bunch of big name college football jobs out there and you are immediately going to be a massive candidate for them. So you can get out ahead of everybody else trying to figure out if you could be Nebraska or Wisconsin's next head coach and make a ton of money. And if you're the Panthers, you can just press the organizational reset button right now, begin the obvious tanking process to try and get the top pick in the draft for a quarterback and then start to slowly look at your entire roster to figure out what you need so I I don't know that it makes Panthers any better right now but they don't need to be better they need to be worse for the rest of the season
2: I agree I don't think that he had proved uh that there was going to be a big change going forward if they'd hung on to him and I think it's best for him and for the team I don't know that I have any confidence that David Tepper is going to choose more wisely next time he was very smug I came across very smug in the press conference to announce Matt Rules firing uh, this is a man who gave Rule seven years, uh, didn't even make it three years. So I think there are a lot of questions about his leadership there and and what comes next and, and how to believe that he will select the nice uh, next person for the job. Um, I think also it's a combination of Matt Rule not doing right by quarterbacks and Matt Rule not getting great quarterbacks to do right by. And David Newton, mm. our Panthers reporter, was on Barton Hahn. Talking about the most recent one, which is Baker, and how that just never gelled, and part of that might be Rule's decision-making.
0: Baker never had a connection with his receivers here, and, and whether that's to be blamed on Matt Rule for keeping that competition between him and Sam Darnold going for so long in training camp and not giving him more time with the receivers or what, uh, it just never was there. Maybe it's just that Baker just never was able to recapture what he had in 2020 uh, when he actually was successful because mm-hmm. he looked more like the quarterback from 2021 and probably worse. And it just was really, really bad. And he never really had an answer for what was going wrong out there.
1: That all makes a lot of sense. I also think it's asking a lot. And, and we joked about this a little in the summer, but I think we're seeing it play out now. It's asking a lot for a guy to come in and then suddenly learn an entire playbook and a new language, essentially, in the course of a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and get timing with everybody. I, I the, the whole... Uh, the whole experiment seemed doomed for failure before it even really had the chance to get off the ground. And I don't know how much of that's on Baker, how much of that is on Matt rule. I just, I think that anytime a coach is brought in from college that constantly talks about creating a culture in the NFL, it mm-hmm. sort of hits a wall to me. Like the only way you create a culture in the NFL is you win a bunch of games and then people want to know how you created your culture, but coming in from day one and making that sort of the landmark Rarely works. That that felt like Matt Rule has been since the day since day one with the Panthers. He's been absolutely out of his mind. Like it, there's been no real opportunity for him to settle in and be himself. And so in that sense, maybe it's good that he uh, that they move on from him.
2: Yeah, and it's a tough situation for whoever takes over, which I think as of now is going to be defensive pass game coordinator and secondary coach Steve Wilkes, because Baker's expected to be out for a while. Sam Darnold's still on IR. Um, so you're, you've you got a team that, like you said, the best case scenario for them is to get worse now. But this is also a team that, I, I mean, Tepper has to answer to what the hell they were doing in the offseason. Everybody else on earth knew that this was a team that needed to head for a complete and total rebuild. And that is not the decision making that occurred for this team heading into the season. I don't know what they saw that everybody else couldn't see, but I think the way the results are coming out to start this season, they've been proved wrong. Uh, And uh, that's a big question going forward is not just good. We got rid of Matt Rule. Now we can feel good about what's next. Like there's no reason to have any faith until you see otherwise.
1: Your questioning of Tepper is really fair and reasonable. And I think it's something that every fan base hates to have to face. Sometimes what do you do when the guy that's in charge of the hiring isn't good at hiring because you can bring in anybody mm-hmm. and no no guarantee you're going to get it right next time. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, especially if it's something cute and cuddly. I need all that in my life. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold. Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. After five weeks of NFL football, do we know anything? We figured a little out. We'll explain it to you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz hanging on for dear life as Monday night football is going to give us the Raiders at the Chiefs Max Crosby on ESPN right now talking about his uh, fiance Rachel by the way uh, expected to give birth literally any hour any day could be at any time so congratulations to uh, them as they'll be welcoming the the first mini Crosby although I hear that uh, not many at all, like like Max. Max has got two X's on his first name because when he was born, the <laughs> doctor was like, this is this baby's too large to only be uh, Max, so he's extra, extra large. And from what he told me, his kid's even bigger than he was going to be. So uh, thoughts oh, and prayers for Rachel.
2: apologies uh, to Rachel. <laughs>
1: all right. We have finished yet another week of NFL action, and I've decided, Sarah, we know nothing. Let's break some of it down. And we start <laughs> with the Giants – and the Packers. Hey, Devin, producer extraordinaire, Giants fan extraordinaire. Devin is yes. a Giants fan, like Sarah's a Bears fan, like I'm a Raiders fan. How are we feeling today, Debbie? I'm feeling great. This is a great day. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, just I figured that was the answer. The Giants are 4-1. Yeah. The Packers are 3-2. and two. But I, I, I don't know, Sarah, like... Am I now supposed to believe I've been trashing the Giants on this show for weeks at this point? Am I supposed to change opinions on this? Because I, I watched that Giants team win, and all I kept thinking is like, man, this is a really plucky win. Maybe I was wrong, yeah. but maybe they maybe they aren't. I don't know.
2: I Listen, I think there's still a ceiling for this team based on the personnel available, but that— that personnel is playing up to its ceiling because of Brian Dable's coaching because of his ability to look at the roster that he's got and enthusiasm for the future should be incredibly high because everyone on this team, I think looked around and said, this is a rebuild year. We'll figure some stuff out about some key positions and we'll get ourselves in position going forward. And instead they've, they've been excellent. Um, And especially in a game like that, where you've got the, the specter of playing an Aaron Rodgers led Packers team where expectations are much higher. You get behind by a lot and you easily could lay down and say, all right, well, we've had a good run here, but you know, this is asking too much. And instead they just dominate in the second half and they execute on all the things that day Bowl is setting them up to take advantage of doing. And, um, you know, I-, I, I think it's really easy to root for them. And you know, me, I don't usually get down for the New York teams, but, uh, I think he's got a lot of teams, uh, players believing in him and fans now, too. Uh,
1: the number of Giants that left this game at different times hurt that came in and still made an impact. Saquon, right. uh, absolutely. Just, I, I hate it when everybody talks about gutty efforts because when your body's going through a car accident on every snap, it's always a gutty effort. But, mm-hmm. man, Daniel Jones coming in and playing uh, the way he did also, I thought, was lights out. They were down 17-3. My heart was breaking for Devin by the end of it. I was laughing as I knew that he was celebrating to the point that uh, he was uh, he was about how I'll feel in a few hours with grief, but he was mm-hmm. with happy, happy joy. Aaron Rodgers, not happy afterwards when he was asked about some of the talk in the locker room of what's to come.
0: Frankly, I don't like all this conversation about losing next week. I'm a firm believer in the power of words and manifestation, and we got to check ourselves on that because talking about that is not... That's not winning football. There was conversation about it in the locker room and I don't like it. Josh's my guy, but we don't need to be talking like that. I understand there's a reality in this game but there's a win and a loss every single game, but there's also reality in in life that you uh, what you're putting your energy towards, that's where your focus is gonna go. So uh, I'm not gonna address prospects of losing up here uh, other than we just lost this game.
2: Yeah, you know, Jair Alexander after the game said, you know, I'm not too worried, but if we lose next week, and Aaron didn't really like that. Uh, I don't blame him. I just don't know if he needs to be the guy that goes and tells the press, I don't agree with the statements by my teammates. Just let him live, man. Figure out your part in this. Go in the back room and tell your teammates that you don't want them to say that publicly. It just feels like there is a constant stream of complaints Usually used to offset any criticism of himself, and he has looked very bad at times. Uh, and so I don't. I, if I'm any of his teammates, I don't really like that angle.
1: Yeah, I, I've. Uh, by the way, I'm a fan of action, not words, and uh, manifesting. Uh, awesome, cool. If manifesting meant a damn thing, the Raiders would have won a Super Bowl the last twenty years the way I manifest every year. All right, let's go to the next game, which is Patriots and Lions. I don't know what to take of this either because frankly, Sarah, I was out on the Patriots and all of a sudden I'm happy with Zappi as they get themselves a blowout happy win. With Zappy. Uh, I mean, now we got a quarterback controversy. What? We got Zappy versus Mac, by the way. I love the sound of that. And you got a Lions team that everybody was buying into with Dan Campbell that just gets absolutely blown out. Twenty nine nothing in a game mm. that didn't feel that close. Like that that was a a stunning result to me.
2: Yeah, I I think one of the most stunning parts about it wasn't just the loss and Bailey Zappi being the one to lead the way for the Patriots, but it was the reverse of everything we've seen from the Lions. They've been record-setting almost in their offensive outputs and unable to stop defensively, and they just did nothing. The highest-scoring offense in the NFL with, with the most yards per game through the first four weeks of the season absolutely silenced. And, you know, we like the the machismo of Dan, well, I say we, many people like the machismo of Dan Campbell and the the speeches and the ins- inspiration he gets from his players, but they got to win at some point, Fitz. They can't just keep getting moral victories, and by those I mean close losses, and they certainly can't get a whole bunch of these.
1: Yeah, there's a, a moment here where these are the little glimmers that uh, all they do is support the stereotypes, right? Like, when right. you see Belichick do this, you're like, yep, Patriots got it figured out after one game. And then you see With the Lions Bailey, do it, Zay. and it's like, oh, man, the Lions. St-. But I, I just – I think we're going to need to see more from both teams to see what's sustainable, which seeing more from both teams also reminds me of one team that we on this show have been really balanced about, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. The Jags lost
2: 13-6 to the what Texans. What the hell? I mean – make it make sense what this is the reason for this segment being basically what the hell do we know uh because uh, the the jaguars had made so much progress there was so much to like this is a texans team that is not good now real excitement on some of the individual players on the Texans. There is a reason for hope moving forward when you've got Damian Pierce out there looking like he does, but this is not a good football team. And there is absolutely no excuse for Jaguars, a team that we had really started to believe was more than just getting better was truly, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop in that division uh, just ugly.
1: This is why I think this season, particularly we need to not take things in one week body of works. And instead we need to like two or three week clumps will give us a better idea. And I know that doesn't make great for great hot take radio, but if you're the Jags, we felt one kind of way about them early in the season. Now they have two, two straight losses and this one, just the type of loss that it's just hard to make sense of. And it's changed the entire way we see this team. So even though the rest of the AFC South has not given us much to root for the, the Titans did get a big win over the Commanders. I thought they were going to mm-hmm. throw away at the end. So the Titans have put themselves in a nice They're situation. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like we have to take everything in, in larger uh, larger – yeah. chunks to have and also
2: idea. i think uh Aaron shots our buddy from football outsiders maybe let us know before the season even began that this is what we could expect a whole lot of parody a whole lot of teams uh huddling around the middle uh with with very few highs and lows uh want to hear a ridiculous stat from that game oh yeah uh the jaguars had 422 yards of total offense and six points
1: oh my god I, that is the, uh, that that's, that's maddening for fans. ESPN Just radio, how? by the <laughs> way, presented by progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and of course, progressive.com. All right. The big news of the day in the NFL is that Matt rule has been fired. Why was now the right time to do it? We'll ask Jeremy Fowler when he joins us next Spain and fits on ESPN radio,
0: Spain and fits the podcast.
2: It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, a little hollow notes. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business needs. From quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options, Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let's welcome in ESPN senior NFL writer Jeremy Fowler. You can follow him at JFowlerESPN. Let's start with the breaking news of the day. It felt like Matt Rule's seat was very, very hot, but many didn't yeah. think this would come this early. Why do you think the Panthers ultimately decided now is the time to get rid of him?
0: Yes, yeah, sir. I was, I was told last week that, that uh, from somebody in the building that it, it wouldn't shock if Like, if the game was really ugly on Sunday, a huge blowout or just sort of lifeless, then maybe something would happen today. And it wasn't necessarily a huge blowout, but uh, as David Tepper pointed out in his press conference, the the lack of intensity was palpable with the team. It just, you know, and there wasn't a lot of buzz in the stadium. You saw some empty seats. You saw a lot of red in the stands, San Francisco red, the scarlet uh, instead of blue, Carolina blue, so... All that was sort of an issue combined with, uh, I think it's a 1-27 in record when teams scored more than 17 points on on Matt Rule's Panthers. Like, you just can't survive that way. So it was a matter of time.
2: Let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, Feels like he's going to be out for a bit. How much do you think Baker in his career has been let down by coaching, by injury, by things that are outside his control versus him getting enough shots now for us to recognize he just ain't it?
0: Well, there are a couple of layers to that. You know, I could take it back to Cleveland. Um, you know, clearly the Browns didn't believe in him, which from from his vantage point says, well, maybe I didn't get a fair shake and I won a lot of games for this franchise. I think what we're seeing now a little bit in, in talking to some people around the league, they point this out, is Cleveland had a great running game, maybe the best in the league, which probably helped him more than he's getting help now and sort of the, the flaws in his game were getting exposed a little bit. So uh, now, granted, he had very little time to prepare for this offense. Traded midsummer, kind of has to figure everything out on the fly. Um, not a very imaginative offense. Not necessarily like a long-time, consistent winner in Carolina. Uh, a coach on shaky ground. So there was, there was. Yeah, you know, he wasn't necessarily walking into a winning situation either. So the story is still out on him. But uh, you know, if this continues, he might be running out of chances at least to be a full-time starter in the league.
2: Jeremy Fowler's with us here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN senior NFL writer. The Giants are a great story. Dable is a great story, and I think expectations for them going forward are pretty high because the roster didn't look like one that would succeed, and they are in spite of that. The Jets are a different story. They're exciting. This is cool. Yeah. Does this feel sustainable on their side of things?
0: Yes. I would say the Jets feel a little more sustainable only because – you know the Giants looked at this year as pretty much, if not a teardown, then a mini rebuild. Like you know they were looking right. to save salary cap and you know not really commit to too many players and play the long game. I mean that was really clear. And so you know GM Joe Shane, head coach Brian Dable can get it done over time, but the, like the feeling was let's get through this year, you know, um, and try to win as many games as we can with the roster we have. But like. The the wide receiver core already wasn't good. And then they went into London with four guys out, four key guys, and they win. Um, You know, Daniel Jones is playing pretty well. And, uh, you know, Saquon is kind of having a, you know, really a career year. So everything's coming into place. I don't know if they can sustain it or not, but I do know that that team is playing for Brian Dable. He's inspiring them. And the Jets, you know, I I see a pretty good roster. Like talking to other people around the league, they think the Jets are you know, a, a borderline playoff team as Zach Wilson makes a jump, which it looks like the last two games he's ready to do.
2: Let's talk about Wilson and Jones. Has your personal opinion of those two changed after seeing them in different regimes here, or at least this season in a couple games?
0: Uh, maybe a little bit. I think, um, you know, Wilson, he's, just, he's such a talented guy. It's more of a matter of can he make the easy plays, you know, just the quick decisions, make the easy throw instead of the home run, and He's been doing that of late. So, you know, his numbers haven't been flashy, but he's been playing good football, which is really all they can ask for. They just hope that stays consistent. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, is, he's a tough evaluation because actually before the London game, his numbers weren't great. Um, but you watch him, he's a tough guy. He's trying to make every play. He's making probably better decisions, not, you know, less of like the careless interceptions and fumbles that you saw in his first couple of years. So, that is a positive. Part of that's probably a byproduct of having, you know, the, the right coach in there, the right, the right offensive mind. Um, but some of that's a credit to him too. So the the truth is probably somewhere in between with Daniel Jones, between his past and his current uh, state. And uh, I don't know if that's enough to be a starter somewhere next year, but he's making a decent case.
2: That sounded more like the tagline for Zach Wilson's summer exploits. The truth is probably somewhere in between the past and the future. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Fowler's with us. You can follow him at JFowlerESPN. Uh, Let's talk Kyler Murray. What did you make at the end of the game yesterday?
0: I don't know. I'm still trying to process that one. You know, I've been so busy with the Carolina stuff today, but like it's, that, that's a weird story that we probably need more truth on. Um, it sounds like they thought they had the first down. And by the time they realized that the officials didn't deem it a first down, it was, it was late in the process. Um, and Kyler had already been told to clock it, you know, so right. um, probably a, a classic miscommunication, which happens at, at high level football on both sides of the ball. We see it all the time um, at that stage in the game. You know, with this team trying not to fall to two and three, it was it was a less than ideal spot, uh, and the optics are not great. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was actually tweeting yesterday, like, "Man, Kyler Murray, he's a flawed quarterback, but he's really good at this." You know, the two minute yeah. drill, like running around, yeah. completing passes. getting You know, he's gonna he's gonna lead him to a score, just like he did in that Raiders game. And then a second later, you know, they fumbled it, the whole thing. So, I don't know. It, it's they're a, they're a team sort of on the ropes right now. You know, they've had mm-hmm. really slow starts. Um, they're missing some key guys. You know, the offense uh, looks out of sorts a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, you don't always know what to expect, even though he's he can be brilliant at times. So um, it's a crucial next couple of games for them.
2: It's Spain and Fitz talking all the NFL goodness with Jeremy Fowler. You can follow him at Fowler ESPN. Uh, Brandon Staley under fire for decision-making at the end of the game that ultimately didn't come back to bite them, but certainly will affect the continued opinion of his reputation. Advanced metrics, the models will tell you he made the right decision, but those models don't involve the context of the flow of the game, the personnel out there, and everything else. What was your take on yeah. his decision?
0: You know, it's funny. My take my was, all these guys who go for fourth downs or, you know, play on the analytical side. Like, it seems like the plays aren't working. It's like if they could get these fourth downs to actually work, it would validate some of the analytics. But, they, you know, every time Staley does it and drops back on fourth down, a lot of times it doesn't work. We saw Dan Campbell go for a bunch of fourth downs yesterday, although I think they were just maybe more desperate because they were falling behind. In mm. um, these big moments that we saw with, with John Harbaugh and the Ravens the here day in the red zone against Buffalo, it's just like, man, these plays are not working for some reason. Like, I don't know if it's the play calls or what um, I, I can you know, looking at that situation, I, I don't hate the call. I think I'm in the minority on that. I know as people think it's kind of boneheaded. You, you had to stop them either way. Like you just need two yards and the game's completely over. I think they thought like the Browns are going to maybe march downfield on them and get within field goal range pretty easily. But maybe he didn't trust his defense completely in the moment, you know, Um, and figured, hey, look, we got Justin Herbert. Two yards should be nothing. Um, But every time, even dating back to last year in that Chiefs game, they drop back and try to do it. and It doesn't work.
2: Yeah. Hey, you mentioned Dan Campbell. I know this is sacrilege because everyone fell in love with him during hard knocks. And he says the right thing. He gets his guys fired up. But how long does he have before the team has to win games instead of just inspire everyone with their effort?
0: Right. Yeah, that's a great question. It really depends on how things look and how they go. You know, at some point, the close losses won't matter, right? I think right now they still sort of matter because um, it's a roster that he inherited that was not very good. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. They had a few pieces on offense, but the defense was largely void of talent starting last year when he took over. So uh, I still don't think the defense is all that talented. So you, you got some issues to sort of work through. I think the bigger problem is, you were putting up 30 plus points for four games and you got one win out of it. You know, that, that to me is the bigger issue, how you don't come up with more there when your schedule is going to get harder, it's going to get harder to score points. So yeah, I still think this year he's, he has a pretty long leash, but by the end of this year, early next year, it's got to start to turn around in a hurry
2: at Jay Fowler ESPN is where you can follow him. We'll let you go. I give, I, I, I give you one last question and you can only give me two words as an answer. You can you yes. could change your answer in the future, but right now, in this moment, the best team in the NFL is? Buffalo Bills. All right. Look at you, following instructions. Hey, thanks for the insight. Always great stuff, Jeremy.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Sarah.
2: Awesome stuff, as always, from Jeremy Fowler. We're going to get back to the football and, of course, keep you updated on Monday Night Football happening tonight. But we had another gate this time an ear gate in Major League Baseball. We'll get into it next.
1: Spain
0: and Fitz, the podcast.
1: A
2: soft ground ball to third.
1: Machado charges, stops, fields, throws, and the San Diego Padres are going to Los Angeles. They will fly cross-country, and they don't even need
0: a plane to do it on the backs of a one-hit shutout to win the National League Wild Card Series, stunning the 101-win.
2: A 6-0 final at City Field. You might be surprised to learn that I take no joy in being right here. I genuinely feel sad for Mets fans. Oh, okay. I I do take joy in being right. I like being right <laughs> and also at the same time, I do feel sad for Mets fans. Hashtag I, yeah, I mean I only knew I was gonna be right because it's the Mets. This is what they do. In fact, after the game, I saw someone post the guy behind me at Citi Field says he's, quote, done with baseball and might try like books, which sounds like something the Mets would drive a sports fan to do. Learn how to read. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio it's presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah, the Mets uh, absolutely drilled by the Padres and that loss that sweep at the hands of the Braves when they just really needed one win to try to shore up the division uh skip the wild card altogether, not put themselves in the path of of a tough of a tough uh, uh Dodgers team instead. They can't even make it out of the wild card and they lose to the Padres and they didn't even have a shot fits. This was ugly throughout even before eargate where Buck Showalter looks at the score looks at joe musgrove's spin rate looks at his effectiveness and decides there's no way this could be going uh uh just naturally he must have uh something on his shiny ears and fits i don't know if you saw those ears but they were very shiny I, I didn't blame him one bit for checking his ears
1: look i don't trust anybody like i i'd be asking the ump to check every every part of anybody like if you're playing lights out I got no problem with them coming in and saying, "Let's take a look at those ears." Like, the, especially if they are particularly, you know, maybe Very it was the shiny. stadium lights or something. Not I mean,
2: a hot uh, day. It was nighttime. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I I couldn't figure out why uh, that, that also I feel bad anytime, you know, you feel like your ears are just out there shining into the world, but right. also no if you're if you're the the Mets, you win 101 games through the process of a long regular season. And then you do this. Like, it's just the hardest part of losing in the playoffs, especially for Major League Baseball fans, is the marathon it took to get there. So, mm-hmm. like, the buildup is so long. And then finally, you you think that this is year going to break through. And you're right. There were enough little moments down the stretch of the season that it felt like everything was falling apart. But I still had this hope in my heart just for the sake of Mets fans that they would find a way simply because no one deserves that level of suffering when you've won 101 games. Now I'm not going to lie to you. I love the fact that the Padres went on. Like I I think the Padres are an entertaining baseball team to watch. Right. So uh, that part of it actually I I was happy about, but the Padres doing that to the Mets in that fashion, just getting into that round and then getting your butt kicked like that is just, it's a kick to the no, no places. It's going to take a long time for Mets fans to get past.
2: Yeah, and, and listen, as many times as you've been there before when you're a fan of a team that perennially disappoints, it uh, doesn't make it any easier, especially a season like this one where they really felt like they had something special. Um, from the beginning of the season and throughout, despite choking up that lead, it still felt like there was something there to believe in moving into the postseason and a whole lot of uncertainty after a wild card loss. You're looking at everybody on the roster. You're looking at everybody in coaching. You're looking – uh, at how things continue going wrong they've got at up to 15 players uh that could leave in free agency and that includes jacob Degrom. Mm. you've got a whole lot of question marks uh but it does leave us with our divisional round matchups uh the padres now take on the dodgers uh 9 p.m eastern espn radio that's game one Padres beat the Mets uh, in that series that went to three, so they were the last one to be decided. We already knew about Guardians-Yankees, 7 p.m. Eastern, Mariners-Astros, 3 p.m. Eastern, and the first game to kick us off tomorrow, Phillies-Braves at 12.30. All of these on ESPN Radio. Um, You saw some dramatic things over the weekend, uh, including the elimination of a few teams that uh, I was not rooting for. Say, I don't know, the Cardinals. Um, and I really enjoyed them uh, It just absolutely tanking. Uh, but it's left us with some interesting matchups. And Fitz, none of these teams are ours, uh, <laughs> to put fair? it bluntly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I very clearly have a baseball team I root for. You, on the other hand, I believe landed on the reds and then changed your answer to the a's because they might move to vegas Yeah,
1: whoever moves to vegas i'm in for right but yeah i mean so we're gonna call that the reds temporarily but i'm not gonna the the or sorry the a's temporarily but i'm not gonna like get invested in it just because god knows like what if somebody else decides they're gonna come into that that equation too so yeah none none of our teams i was though i found myself rooting just because of mina I found myself rooting for the Mariners yes. in that first round matchup and for the Mariners to do what they did to the Blue Jays. Another great fan base that like, I mean Blue Jays fans live, yeah, eat that was and a breathe uh, yeah. everything. The entire country of Canada lives, eat and breathe uh, everything that the Blue Jays do. So for the entire country of Canada to have that happen, that was a, a, a hell of a bad beat there as a lot of people did not anticipate, especially that level of comeback was historic. So I was in for the Mariners. I'm, yeah, I'm I think that. the
2: Mariners are very easy to root for. They had the longest active uh, drought uh, for playoffs of any team in the men's major professional sports. Um, the Blue Jays were tough, though. They have a lot of those youngsters that are fun to root for, and it felt like a team you would like to see go up against another one and not have been eliminated by Seattle, but uh, man, did they I mean, that's being being up 8-1 to one in Game 2 and blowing that lead, only the third team in playoff history uh, to blow a, a lead of seven runs or more uh, and lose a playoff game, that's a that's tough. That's a tough one. Uh, same thing goes for the Cardinals, who uh, gave up a six-run rally in the first game uh, against against the Phillies. Um, does that count? Like,
1: this answers a great question for us, though, Sarah, because I always wonder about rivals. Like, we all know that you as a Cubs fan are always anti uh, anti-Cardinals. Cardinals. So, yeah. how does it feel? Like, leveled out versus a Cubs win, seeing the Cardinals have that sort of a choke in the playoffs, is on a comparative scale much less or a little less? Like, where are we on that?
2: Uh oh, No, I love watching the Cardinals fail. Okay. Uh, they're one of the few teams I actively root against. Most people think that I have all all of the natural rivalries. Most of them, I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel for them. Uh, the Knicks and the Cardinals are the two teams I would say i most actively root against. You could throw the Cleveland Browns in there now. Um, well, that brings me to my question, Fitz. And it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. I just posted the question. You have to convince a sports fan with no rooting interest to cheer for one of the remaining teams in the MLB playoffs, which team is it and why? There are a couple easy ones for me. Uh, Astros, get out of here. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Going for the Mariners there. Guardians, Yankees, 100% the Guardians. I rooted against them the last time they were in the World Series because they were playing against my Cubs, but they've had a lengthy drought, the lengthiest since, uh, uh, I I think, in baseball, so we'll we'll root for them. Uh, Dodgers, sorry, you spent too much money. You're a clear front runner. Gonna go the Padres on that one. And then I'm torn on Phillies Braves. I really like the Phillies logo, which is clearly the best reason to root for a team. But Dansby Swanson is on the Braves and he's engaged to Mallory Pugh, who is the star of my Chicago Red Stars. Okay. And wouldn't it be a cool story if they both won a title this year?
1: I, uh, that is a cool story. Uh, I, there's clearly one team I'm rooting for in this whole process, and it's the Braves. Uh, there's wow. No, no doubt about it because Trevor Scales, my buddy uh, that we worked together for years together, works on the uh, Braves for Bally Sports, so I always root for Trevor. And Harry but they Douglas. Just won last year. That's ha- yeah. because
2: your friend calls the games. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Harry Douglas can also get me tickets. I know Harry can get me tickets, oh, here so we that's got to go. be my way in, right? So if I want to go to a World Series matchup, yeah, I, I couldn't go last year. I was busy. I hope
2: I, Mina's listening right now.
1: Mina wouldn't hook me up. I'm not high I enough on Mina's, Mina's list. I hope Mina's listening,
2: and you just chose the potential to see a baseball game list. you're not even that interested in over Mina's, Mina's happiness. Yeah, no, that's fair. The Road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're bumped basically all week, so tune in. Listen to all that baseball goodness. Help us figure out who to root for, too. Coming up, less than 20 minutes away from Raiders Chiefs. We'll get you set for it next. Hold on to your butts, Fitz. Both of them.
1: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.